All right, everybody, welcome to Optimal You episode 11. Thank you all for being a part of this awesome journey of living and achieving, being motivated to live our optimal lives. For those of you tuning in for the first time, whether through the podcast or through the YouTube uh, episode, hopefully the video doesn't cut out this time. <laughs> uh, optimal You, what is Optimal You? It is a podcast that's designed to help individuals live their optimal lives uh, and to better the world around them. I added that last time. Oh, I like that. Because there's there's no point in living your optimal life if you're not helping others around you. So that's that's really what I want to do with this podcast. Here with me today, I've got a good friend and an individual who is just living his optimal life, Tyler Cahoon. Welcome. Welcome, Tyler. Welcome to me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're I'm happy welcome. to be here. I, I'm excited for this 11th episode. We are moving into November, and I joke with my my colleagues and my friends for the past two years, November has been Jovember. <laughs> <laughs> and Jovember has been all about um, a commitment month, something you want to eliminate from your life or something you want to add into your life. And we've always run this challenge and it's been fun to get others to participate in it. But I want to take a different turn and spin with Jovember this year and, and Movember really. And I want to focus on men's health, which is why I've invited you yeah. here today, Tyler. Because I'm uh, so healthy. Because you are fit as a fiddle. <laughs> I <wish. laughs> and I strive to keep up with you. No matter what I do, you're still like... 10 steps ahead of me. Can't keep up with you, brother. <laughs> but um, I, I was thinking for a long time, how can I get Tyler involved with this? How can I get Tyler on the podcast? Other than just saying Tyler's my friend and I want him to be here. But thinking about it, there were things that just stacked up. To give a little bit of bio and history into you and side tangent thanks for the comments and the feedback from my friends out there one of them said go more in depth with your uh with your guests do a long intro with them so i'm gonna do <laughs> so i'm gonna do my best which is really right so devin devin said it, said this devin matagi he's like you know you you just touch on the surface of who these people are mm -hmm. and i i really want to get to know them and i'm like that's that's great feedback let's yeah. let's really dive into let's who these get people to know are me. so so tyler we had the misfortune i think of moving out and moving into east sandy elementary at the wrong time i i started right. going there in third grade and when did you move out i moved out in fourth grade in fourth grade so fourth grade so we crossed paths for a year and i and i actually think i remember that at the end of that third grade who was your teacher do you remember uh, in third grade it was mrs shipley Oh yeah, my mom. I got to tell you a funny story on that, really quick. Okay, my mom did not like her. She she yeah. wasn't a very good teacher, and she called her Mrs. Shitley. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> she was strict, wasn't yeah, she? she was I remember. Strict. I would always go in when we do those like rotation uh -huh. teacher things, and I would just get in so much trouble. I uh, think was Miss Myers a third grade teacher? I believe so. I think I had her, and she yeah. was the nicest lady ever. I remember my third grade teacher was like one of my favorite teachers. You don't remember her too specifically now. It's been such a long time, but I remember the impression that third grade was like yeah. just awesome. I loved, I love Miss Myers. So, so we we didn't really get to know each other, no. and then years later we end up the same high school. We didn't really hang out too much in high school either. I know who mm -hmm. you were 
I think you knew who I was. You right. played football. You were the star athlete. Safety, as if I remember yep, correctly. Safety. Right. Yeah. I had a great football career. Uh, and I knew you through a couple of other friends, Tanner, Tanner and Josh. Right. And I knew Tanner because we live in the same neighborhood and I got to know Josh because I tried to wrestle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I started wrestling every year and then it never really worked out. And you ran the store. And that was mentioned in, a, in an earlier podcast with Taylor. That, yeah. that When I think of Joe, I think of the school store. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I did the best to keep that going it and was operated awesome. and, and bumping with tunes. Oh, yeah. I think I got a blueberry muff, muffin every day my senior year. From the store probably had the best sales that year that was great my, my senior year there anyway you we you i went on a mission you went on a mission we got back and i remember coming back we started hanging out more and i don't even remember how that happened um but i remember you and i went to this one i think it was like a halloween party or yeah. something like that together yeah. we were just we were just chatting forever talking outside and i was like and i remember that was the really the first time where it was like dang i really like tyler he's a good guy and then i think from there we just started hanging out yeah. more so while we've known each other and you ended for, up being in while, my wedding line in I mean, your you, wedding you went line from third grade to, to right. the wedding line look out us here I hope now be in yours <laughs> Man, I hope to have a wedding line. <laughs> That's I, I the honest hope. truth. <laughs> We're still holding out on that one, but you, you definitely will be. Oh, man, I think about it, and I think about the day when I do have that. I have a pretty damn long line. There's so yeah, many, so many good people in my life. You can't, have a lot, can't a lot of any. people that support you for sure. A lot, of, a lot of good friends. Which tying it back into movember is one of my great support systems which which we'll get into mental health you need you need to have those strong support groups yes. in your life um but then throughout that time tyler to share a little bit more you you went to the u got your degree then decided you wanted to pursue higher education law school yeah and in that time i want to mention with your football career you did play for the u you're on the team i did i was on the team Yes, and I remember that a, story. A, a white boy from Draper, Utah, <laughs> on the team made the team. In uh, that story, preseason, where you're just man grabbing the headlines, you're you're a stunner, you're a star. But I think some some physical, some health things came into play with that, right? Yeah, I I had a really good spring ball. I had a a couple interceptions in the spring game, and I have this you know, front page paper of me picking off a Jordan Wynn, actually, who was the <laughs> starter. And I was going into fall camp and, you know, I was, I was making a dent. I was on all, I was starting on all the special teams. And I think I was on the two deep at that point or close to, and on the depth chart. And I got a really bad concussion going into um, the first game of the season. We were playing we were scrimmaging and I, I just hit a guy and I remember going down and trying to stand back up and I was just spinning and fell back down. And oh, the last thing I remember is the trainer kind of pulls me aside and takes my helmet and then they went through all the concussion protocol and I, I couldn't pass the, the baseline test that they give you for four or five weeks. And at that point I was like, you know what? I had met Natalie and I was like, you know, it's not worth it. You know, I'm going to be pursuing, you know, a law degree and it's, mm -hmm. it's just not worth it. But, you know, I did have a good little run there after my mission where I was making a dent finally. But 
Didn't Love come to that. fruition. Love that. Hey, everything happens for a reason, yeah. right? And and now that you look back, you can clearly identify why that didn't work out and why that wasn't supposed to work out. Right. And you know what? It's maybe even going to be another 15, 20 years where you're fully going to say, you know what? I've got my health now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I, I've got my family. I've got my career. Look at how everything played out. It wasn't going to happen that way in the NFL. So, so that's awesome. I'm glad you, you've already realized that and you can see some of those blessings. But I wanted to mention that you're a college yeah. D1 athlete here <laughs> with me as well, which is where some of this awesome physical fitness, mental toughness and grit comes in. Now, you did pursue that law degree. You went up to... Gonzaga. Right. Went up there for a year. year. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about that. How did that that play out? So Natalie and I got married on August Oh, don't let me forget that one. Yes. Yes. So we got (laughs) married. We got married on August 6th. And then a week later, we decided to go up to Gonzaga for my first year of law school. Man. And our good buddy, JD Lewis, was also up there with his wife, Kelsey. So it was pretty fun to go up there together. And Nate Hoops and his wife were up there. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. I made a lot of good friends and I, I really relied on, you know, JD to stay, I mean, we stayed sane together going <laughs> through that process of the first Man, year of law school. Can't and then, even imagine. Um, Natalie and I decided that we wanted to come back to Utah because I ultimately wanted to work here and coming from Washington back to Utah would, would have been a more difficult road. So we transferred to the University of Utah and I finished my last two, two years there and I had a great experience there as well. That's awesome. So yeah, I graduated May of 17. So I've been practicing law now for, I was sworn in in October of 17. So I've, I'm just right around a year mark of my of practicing law, which has been fun. And how do you feel you got your head out of the water yet? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I am I am deep in it. I am neck deep. <clears throat> That's so. awesome. That's neat. And people looking at you can see how you're living your op- optimal life extremely successful, have gone through all of that, completed higher education, and have landed a job with a great company as well, yeah. a great firm, Yeah, uh, which which is amazing. There's a lot of hard work that has gone into that. And when I look at you, I don't see something that has just been placed in your lap. There definitely has been that dedication, that time, and that effort put into it to receive it. Um, I, I texted you a couple weeks ago and was like, Tyler, you... you you to me, you just exemplify hard work. But others looking at you might not see that. You have a a, a father who's successful in law as well, uh, a pretty well known environmental lawyer. Yeah, right. We actually work together, so we're we're A and B, you know, one and two. We work together every day, and it's been a great experience. He's, yeah, you're right. He's a he's a really successful environmental lawyer. He you know he represents private parties that the government is coming after essentially for violating different environmental laws. And so we represent people all across the country that have allegedly violated, you know, the clean water act or CERCLA or RICRA, if, if you know, those, those terms. So Very well familiar yeah. with those, yeah. the, the CERCLA and the RICLA. Yeah. Yeah. I deal I'm with sure. those from oh, time yeah. to time. Oh yeah. All, all the common, time. I'm common sure. knowledge there. <laughs> But but some people may may look at that and say, oh man, here's here's somebody who's coming from well off wealth, you know, mm-hmm. or from a successful family line. Oh yeah, it just seems natural that right. Tyler's going to fall into that. But that's it's not always the situation. In the case. Yeah, right. exactly. Handed to you, and that's where I said, what what drives you? What has 
gotten you to this point because no matter what individual you put into your place, it's not going to always end up the same. There's this drive that pushes you forward. And, and what was your response to that? Well, I took a couple of days to respond to you. If I remember, I was, I was you really did. thinking about it. I was it a little of, upset. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> he texts me at 6am. I, I, was, I was probably at the gym yeah. thinking, what, what is he doing? Texting me at this hour? You know, this is, and I know you were at the gym too. So I'm thinking, I'm what, he's on the Stairmaster thinking of me, you know? So what motivates me is I want to be the best version of myself. And I feel like, I deserve that for my own personal well-being and the, my closest peers deserve my best self as well. Like Natalie deserves my best self. Joe deserves my best self. And the reasoning behind that is I want to be there for my peers or acquaintances when they're struggling. I am strong enough to you know, be a shoulder to lean on and be present and be available for that person. And so that's what motivates me is, is that I want to be my best, my best self. Number one for me, like I need, mm -hmm. I need for my, since this is, you know, mental health awareness month, we're going to get into mental health. I've, yep. I've struggled with mental health. So I need to be the premier Tyler for Tyler. And I have certain things that I do to get to that point each and every day. But more importantly is I need to be that person for my closest peers. And for the longest time, I was not that person. And I think that's, I didn't mention that. I don't think in the text. Or Interesting. The you didn't. No. Yeah. I wasn't there for, I wasn't there for people for a lot of years because of different mental health challenges I was going through. And I don't want to, I don't ever want to go to that place again. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of what motivates me. That's awesome. As you said that, I, I think back to something I've, I've heard or read about being a strength and going through challenges. Only after we've gone through themselves, can we be a strength to others? And, and definitely looking at you, Tyler, whether it be athletics or sports you've gone through that you know what that's like you'd be a great mentor for that whether it's going through an undergraduate degree or a graduate degree going through all those processes you're going to be a great strength to not only you your family immediate or extended or your friends to be able to to ask questions opposed to but also on this 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 topic of of mental health now you know we've we've painted this picture of, of great success but underneath all of this there's been this underlying struggle that I've that I've known about but not in the sense that we've actually ever sat down and talked about it uh I know at times we've joked about yeah, it we, you. you guys joke about it all the time <laughs> we, we, with the group text and and I think that that's like a natural guy thing to <laughs> right. do right and and I want to change that sigma that persona that we have to addressing these issues head on which is why I want to have this Movember, this men's health and, and why you're here. And I think that's awesome that this kind of aligns with some of your objectives uh, of realizing I wasn't this person in the past because of this mental, this mental illness that I've battled with and dealt with, but I want to change that. And putting your story out there now, I think that it's going to lead to some opportunities for you, Tyler, for others to say, dang, you know what? I've been going through this 
I'm going to reach out to Tyler. Let's, let's sure. talk about it. So, so tell me about this mental health struggle. What, what did, <laughs> what did you struggle with? What are, what do you struggle with? Yeah, it's, it's current, not past. <laughs> so when, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I, you know, I, I got in the tub. I like getting in the tub every night. Those that know <laughs> me, I am, a, tub I am a tub guy. <laughs> yes. So I get in the tub and I start, you know, thinking about when this all started and, I, my very first memories as a boy, you know, when I was in second and third grade, I can see things even at that age that I struggled with. So I was petrified of getting kidnapped for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. Uh, I didn't know anyone that got kidnapped, but I felt like anytime I was playing in our little cul-de-sac, any car that came in to the parking lot or the, or the cul-de-sac was going to kidnap me. And so I just run inside or we'd run inside to Colton's house because Colton lived in the same cul-de-sac. And I think that's when it's kind of all started. And I, I developed this anxiety and, and kind of a paranoia of, of I'm going to get kidnapped. And, and then it kind of translated. I, I was playing my second year of football. And for whatever reason, I, I had this anxiety that I was going to get seriously injured or die during my second season playing at Hillcrest, the little, I don't think it was Gremlin or Mighty Might or whatever. Uh-huh. So I actually quit football my second year. I went, I remember, I distinctly remember having this cash that I had saved up from birthdays or, you know, raking the leaves in the yard or helping my dad mow the grass. He'd give me two bucks or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, re- I remember bringing this stack of cash to my dad and saying, Dad, here's the cash to for the money that you paid for my football this year i can't play this year i'm i'm i can't do it and i ended up playing baseball i think fall baseball and we didn't think much of it i ended up going back and playing football the following year at alta when we moved and was it the move like kind of the freshness the newness that you were like i'll I'll give this a try i think i missed it you know i was i would always watch sunday saturday and sunday football in the in college in the nfl and i kind of missed it and i think the newness i had friends at school that played and i I wanted to play yeah so i went back and played no big deal yeah so that's interesting and then when elizabeth smart was kidnapped we were in ninth grade and here I am, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to get kidnapped, but for whatever reason, I felt like I was going to be the next Elizabeth Smart. And I remember staying up all night, all night, petrified that someone is going to walk in my room or, or bust open my window and yank me out and take me away. And that started at, in ninth grade, it, it, it generated this anxiety and OCD in me. So I started doing these routines mm-hmm. to stop things from happening. So um, my anxiety would tell me that, okay, you're either going to get kidnapped and then it kind of transitioned to your parents are going to die oh, and wow. you have to do things to stop that from happening. And so just to give you an example of some of the routines I would have yeah, from ninth grade to 12th grade, I would brush my teeth three times at night, I would drink 20 gulps of water from the sink. I would, I'd have to have all of my drawers shut, all of my um, dresser doors shut. I would need to check the lock three times on the basement door. 
uh, I would need to take a drink out of every drinking fountain I saw at school. So if you know you have the the low one and the high one, yeah. I would need to take a drink out of each one. So if I'm walking with buddies or you know some girls, I would I would have to go and take a quick sip out of each one. And no really? one really saw any. No one really noticed. I don't. think. I was going to ask on that one. Did anybody say, Tyler, what are you doing? No, because I think it, I think it was you? just pretty quick. I would just, yeah. I would just mentally, I would just need to get a quick drink just to satisfy that. Mm-hmm. And that was that was that was really bizarre for me. I mean, it would it would kind of keep it would it would take an hour and a half to get to bed because I would need to go through this routine to stop, you know, my dad from dying or my mom from dying or me from getting kidnapped or beaten up that was another thing that came up in high school for whatever reason i felt like i was going to get jumped anytime i was going to the bathroom at the urinal i felt like someone was going to come from behind me and just jump me and i remember you know times where i'd have to call my mom and have her check me out because i was just so worked up in my head about these different things wow and so that wasn't that wasn't the biggest deal but that's just showing that this has been lurking in my life yeah this whole time. And I, I didn't deal That's... with depression at this time. I mean, maybe I'd get extra sad when um, I'd like a girl and they would, you know, turn me down or, or break up with me or whatever. I think I got pretty, I would get sad more so than our friends, but mm-hmm. I didn't have any sort of depression from that point. Um, so I want to jump back real fast yeah. into these these rituals and these behaviors that you have. I, I don't know much about that and and how we tie different activities to say preventing like your parents from dying, as you mm-hmm. said, what this evolved into. But what was it about like brushing your teeth or taking 20 gulps of water that satisfied that, all right, they're not going to be injured because I've done this. I'm, right. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm it's, interested. It's, it's just in your mind where if I do so, so your mind is talking to you saying, okay, uh-huh. if you do, if you drink 20 gulps of water, if you drink out of every drinking fountain that you see, it will save your parents. It will save you from being kidnapped. And if you don't, it will happen. Okay. So I am trying, I'm trying to stop that from happening. Yeah. And when I would, when I would do it, my mind would slow down and be like, okay, it's not going to happen. I checked the lock four times. I, I, all my drawers are shut. The doors are shut. You know, I, I did my thing with the toothbrush. I did my thing drinking the 20 gulps, mm-hmm. you know? So up to this point, have, had you told anybody about this, about these anxieties? So you, you mentioned you'd have to have your mom come check you out from yeah, school? She, Did she know she what was know. going on she to the extent? She didn't know to the extent. Um, you, you battling us on your own then, right? And okay. I remember, I remember in ninth or tenth grade, I was up, and the lights were on, and it was probably three in the morning, or maybe you know it was four in the morning because my dad was just getting up for the day. He's one of those gurus that gets up at four a.m. every day. Early That's morning, been, early morning yoga, right? He's <laughs> got to get that that yoga session, and yeah. he saw that my light was on and came in, and I was I remember sitting up. I was sitting up on the bed, and I think I was crying, and. He's like, Tyler, what's going on, man? Are you have you been awake all night? And I was like, Yeah. And I was like, he's like, well, what's going on? And I said, I don't I don't want to talk about it, but um, just please wear your seatbelt. I was having anxiety that he was gonna get in a car accident and die. And that's still there to this day, actually. Yeah. Um wow. and I just remember crying, just wear your seatbelt. And I think I remember I, I made a sticky note 
in ninth or 10th grade and I would put it on my parents' uh, steering wheels and say, it would say, wear your seatbelt. I was so jacked up. But <laughs> can can look cute, but it, yeah, at, all this anxiety yeah, at, is at going that time. It, it was just wow. it was filling my my life, yeah. and it was hard to concentrate in school and and you know whatever sport I was playing, and it also translated into sports. So I remember when I was on the football field after a play would would occur, I could not turn left. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Zoolander where he couldn't turn left or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but I, cu- I couldn't turn left or something bad would happen or I would get burned for a touchdown or something. So anytime after the play, I would always have to turn right if I needed to turn around or something. And, or if I was playing baseball, I played center field and there were these big angel rings in the grass around like the sprinkler heads. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't step on the ring or something bad would happen. I would drop a fly ball or I'd you know ruin the game or, you know, my mom would die in a car accident on the way home. And so I would consciously have to, you know, pick my steps if not to step on these angel rings as I'm running around the field. I was, it was, it was consuming and, Looking back, I needed help, but I didn't reach out. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know anybody who was dealing with these things. And then when we graduated high school, you know, there was a lot of change. And all you guys, you know, you went on a mission pretty quick out of high school. You turned mm-hmm. 19 pretty quick. You know, um, some of our other closer friends, Nick Hatch, went really quick. Josh yeah. went quick. JD went quick. Tanner had just gotten hurt in November. Um, <clears throat> I think I had just broken up with a girlfriend. I had a lot of different change, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was I had just started football at the U, mm. and <clears throat> I remember being in fall camp in 2007 and having these same feelings. You know, I'd be up all night, and I'd have anxiety that you know, my, my parents were going to die or, you know, I was going to break my neck playing football. And I probably would, I probably could have, cause these, these guys are a lot bigger than I was at that time. You know, I was a little freshman coming out of high school and I lost a bunch of weight. I lost like 17 pounds in four or five days at fall camp. And I went and saw the trainer and kind of told him he was probably the first person I told that, you know, I was feeling all these things and it, it and he, you know, addressed it immediately. He said, you've got anxiety and OCD. You need to get on some medication. And so he's, he referred me to this doctor named Dr. Mensch. Mm-hmm. And he was a, he's a longtime psychiatrist for the University of Utah. And he saw all the different athletes that struggled with mental illness. And he, he was the first one to put me on medication. And... <clears throat> Once that happened, I went from, once he put me on medication, I went from 190 pounds to, in a matter of three months or so, I went from 190 pounds to 240 pounds, put on 50 pounds of weight, unhealthy weight. And this is where the joking comes in that we've had with you. Right. We've, we've got pictures of yeah. this. And, you know, from time to time, we we look back and right. we joke and they're funny. about it with you. 
because you did get have a tremendous amount of weight gain and it was because of these pills right it wasn't on. it wasn't mm-hmm. because of you know my eat I, I do eat i love eating and natalie and i <laughs> eat whatever the hell we want when we want and i need to be better at that but yeah. and that's one of the things i'm going to talk about later is eating but i put it on all this, all this weight and these people people are mm-hmm. my peers are probably looking at me like what what the hell is going on with tyler he's huge and you know they didn't know they didn't know so so let me transition. So I Bef- go see before you do. Yeah. What made you open up to the trainer? Well, <clears throat> I wasn't eating, sleeping or drinking and mm-hmm. I was I couldn't perform on the field and I remember taking a leak and my my urine was like almost orange. I was really dehydrated. Oh, yeah. And you know, I just I was just in a really dark place. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to I remember um my parents and some of our buddies came up to the, the U during fall camp and would just kind of hang out with me during my free time to try and, you know, talk me through it and motivate me to keep going. And I needed to tell somebody. So, you know, I, I figure, you know, the trainer might know what, what the crap's going on with me. Yeah. <clears throat> he addressed it. He knew what was going on. I'm, okay. Multiple players had the same issues. I wasn't the first. I'm not the last. Mm-hmm. And so they, they put me on medication and the medication had some side effects. Obviously it put weight on me. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it made me really lethargic and numb. And that's a stigma that people have about medication that just makes you numb. It doesn't make you feel yourself. You lose who you are, but I got really depressed and I had, I quit the football team. I ultimately quit. I, uh, dropped out of school. And I was getting really combative. I was I I would get really combative with my dad, who's you know one of my best friends, you know now. But during that time, like while I, you were on this medication, yeah, I, yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't communicate how I was feeling, and no one was understanding where I was coming from. And I, I remember punching multiple holes in the wall, and I I I you know I'd have these yelling matches with my parents, and ultimately. My dad was like, "Okay, Ty, you you got to get out of the house. We can't have you here anymore." And I was like, "Okay." And so he's like, "And you got to find a job. I'm not not paying your bills anymore. You got to find a job." Cuz they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so I wow. got a job at Lobuck Sales as a used car salesman. And I moved out with some buddies, Eric Curtis and Chris Brott, and moved down to Salt Lake. And I got in a really dark place. I I was really, really depressed. And nothing nothing really happened to cause the depression. You know, sure, I, I quit school, I, I quit football, you know, different friends are going on missions, you know, Tanner had, had been hurt and he was going through some a lot of challenges. It was him that should have been depressed, not me. Mm-hmm. And who was I to be depressed? You know? And, you know, I, I remember thinking, I just want to die, just want to die. And I remember texting our friends in a group text that you know, I, I, I was, I don't know if I was suicidal. I, I think I was suicidal. I wanted to die, but I, I never attempted suicide, but I got, you have suicidal oh, thoughts, totally. feelings. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was consumed mm-hmm. by them and I would, yeah. I would go to the point of the mountain 
where the hang gliding park was and take our big suburban and drive over there and you know text our friends like you know goodbye thank you for being good friends and i wasn't i wasn't gonna commit suicide but it was like a like a call for help exactly yeah i wanted help and Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to get it and i would send the same text to my parents and it wasn't like a call for it it wasn't a call for attention because i think that's a stigma too when you know someone claims to have mental illness or you know suicidal thoughts they want attention i was just needing help Mm -hmm. i needed to figure out how to get through this and uh, so that hap- that that went on for about a year, and I was still overweight. I was still, I couldn't sleep. I I couldn't eat. I couldn't go back to school. I actually got I actually got let go from low book sales because I was, I I I came across something that upset me. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember being so upset that I just went and took a nap in one of the cars on the lot. I just really? needed to get away. Yeah. And some one of the other salesmen came to show the car <laughs> to a potential to a customer. Yeah. And there I am in the back seat taking a nap. <laughs> oh my. And I was like, okay. They're like, I don't think this is working, Tyler. I think you gotta, you know, you gotta go. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've never heard that story. Yeah. It was wow. interesting. <laughs> yeah. We don't go there often. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but Still on the medication? Yeah, still on the medication. And I was just so volatile. Like, I remember emailing Josh, like, I'm going to go on a mission, dude. Like, and then the next week, dude, I don't think I can, I I can't do this anymore, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was so volatile. So you mentioned this back and forth. What, we haven't really jumped into this yet, but... How did this put a toll on your faith and your beliefs? Oh, I it was really challenging because in the Mormon church you're you're you know supposed to go on a mission when you're 19. Mm-hmm. And at 19, I was I was in a dark spot. I couldn't go on a mission and that was really hard on my parents, especially my mom because she want, you know, she wants all her boys to go on missions and you know my my patriarchal blessing says I go on a mission, but yet there's no way in hell I can go on a mission with where I'm at. Yeah. And that, that put a big toll on my faith. Like I didn't want anything to do with, with faith. I didn't want anything to do with a higher power. I didn't want anything to do with my church leaders. And because they just didn't understand where I was coming from. And I think mental health now it's, it's talked about enough now and I don't think it's talked about enough, but it's talked about sufficiently enough to where people understand it a little bit better than they did, you know, 12 years ago when I was going through this. Yeah. And I remember driving to, I, I, so let me, let me go back. So I started working out with Bryce Bringhurst and I, we would go, you know, every day to Treehouse and working out really made me feel good. And <clears throat> ever since that time I've worked out consistently every day or, you know, five or six days a week from Bryce Springhurst introducing me to weightlifting. And I really felt good. And I saw a different 
psychiatrist and a different i saw a, a psychologist as well who's more the cognitive therapy mm-hmm. that got me on some new medication had me read some books and i was really getting back on my feet and i actually went back to school i went back and played i went back and started playing football again and i was just feeling good and i remember driving to um <clears throat> psychology class and thinking man i should just go on a mission you know i just need to get out of here and no one thought i could do it no like our friends i remember joking about it that were home were like dude you're gonna last two days in the mtc and come home and why do you think they said that they just they just saw they just i mean they, they probably the, didn't for, know what was going on, right? No, still the mental battle that's going on inside your mind. They, but well, they did. They did. They the did. Cries a, for help. Yeah, they 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 things. saw the okay. cries for help, but they yeah. didn't understand it. You okay, know? and yeah. I I know that Tanner understood it to an extent because he he was on antidepressants before, and I think he was maybe on them during that time, so he kind of got it. Yeah, but he wasn't in a place to you know he was in the hospital, and I wasn't there for him at all you know, during that time because of where I was at. And so I just remember feeling I've got okay enough to start thinking about going on a mission and no one believed in me. And I actually remember talking to this guy that I home taught for a lot of years. His name is Carlos Dunford. He and his wife started Quilted Bear. If you're familiar with Quilted Bear. Oh yeah. And he Mm was, he, um, he ended up having a heart issue and he was on his deathbed and I, we went and saw him, my dad and I, we were their home teachers. And he told me, you know what, Tyler, if your mission is two days, 24 hours, three months, two years, it doesn't matter. That's, that's your mission. And that's enough for God. And I'm thinking, okay, I can do that. I can go, I can go to the MTC for one day and I can be okay. I'm going to do that. So I remember putting together my papers and with the intention of going one day, I'm going to stay there one day and one night and I'm going to call it good. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that kind of just came into a, it, it taught me something that I just need to take this one day at a time and stop trying to predict the future. Just take one freaking appointment at a time. Mm-hmm. Take one freaking study at a time. Take one lunch at a time. Make it till lunch. You know, make it till dinner. Take take the night off. Take the night off and wake up in the morning to see how you feel. And this little mindset just triggered something in me where I wasn't trying to predict the future anymore. I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't going to get kidnapped. I wasn't. My parents weren't going to die in a car wreck. You know, they may. But I'm not going to predict that anymore. It just takes too much time away from me, and it takes too much energy. So I go on this mission, and I take one appointment at a time. I take one day at a time. And I really learned to help other people out there. And I was able to share my story to a, to an extent, mm-hmm. my, my struggle with mental illness to people. And it really help me personally when I would reach out to others. And when you're able to reach out to others, you realize that my problems aren't like 
other people's problems. These people are struggling way more than me. Who am I to, you know, feel this way? And and obviously that's that's true to an extent, but mm-hmm. it just got me thinking that there are many people out there that struggle more than me and I need to be strong for them. And so my, my, I called my dad every day for three months, the first three months of my mission and just had him walk me through it. Like, you can do this. You can make it till tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. And it just kind of faded. And I had a great mission. And I come home and I go back to playing football. And as you mentioned, I got injured and stopped playing. I met Natalie and Natalie has had you know, a life where you think that someone should struggle with depression. I mean, she lost her mom when she was just a little teenager in a car wreck on their way home to Lake Powell. And then she was dating, you know, Tanner Adams. If you remember Tanner Adams, he went to Skyline. And while they were dating, he ended up taking his life. And, you know, we met sometime thereafter. And She's had, you know, all these different tragedies in her life and she's never really, she had circumstantial depression, I think, but she's been able to overcome it. And being with her has helped me tremendously. You know, she's, I've been able to rely on her and learn from her. And, you know, my biggest fear was my parents dying in a car wreck and she lived that reality. Yeah. And she's fine. You know, she's, she's not, not, I shouldn't say she's fine with it, but she's, she's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, she's okay. She had this happen to her and she's okay. And that gives me motivation that, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Right. And, and leaning on her has been a big help. And, um, <clears throat> so from 2013 till about 2017, I really didn't have any mental problems, mental mental challenges and I got off medication. I was still working out every day. I was, people kind of knew that I had struggled with this. And so I was able to help different people through it. I would refer them to different psychiatrists or psychologists for help. I would sit down and go to lunch with them. I don't need to name names, but I was, I really enjoyed that helping Mm -hmm. people through my experience and giving them different pillars they can base their life on to, be successful. And it wasn't until this last year that it all came back. And many people don't know. And we had a, we kind of had a rough year in the Cahoon home, 2018. Um, the extended Cahoon home, not Natalie. Well, I guess Natalie and I personally too, but, um, my mom was diagnosed with MS and, during all of that process, they found some tumors in her thyroid and they were worried about different cancers and Mm. that put a big toll on the family. And then I started getting these, these weird physical symptoms and I still have them to this day. I've had them for a year and they, I, I have numbness in my hands and I get really dizzy and my eyes have been real jumpy. And, you know, if you get on the internet and look at some of these symptoms, and you WebMD it, it points to diseases that you don't want. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've had sleepless nights where I'm thinking to myself, I've got MS, I've got 
ALS. I've got, you know, all these different autoimmune diseases and my anxiety has been back and to the point where it's been affecting my, my everyday life. I go to work, you know, I, I, I work on these cases, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I have a year to live. I, you know, I go home and I think to myself, you know, this could be one of the last dinners I have with Natalie. This could be one of the last trips I have with Natalie. And honestly, Joe, I don't know what, obviously the physical symptoms have triggered it, but I haven't, Mm -hmm. I haven't had to deal with this in years and I've had to just go back to my pillars that I've come up with that I need to live my life with. And this, these are the pillars. Okay. You need to eat and sleep. You need to eat right. And you need to get at least seven hours of sleep. That's, that's my goal. I need to get at least seven hours of sleep and I need to eat, I need to eat right. I need to stop eating processed foods and all the crap that we put into our bodies. I need to work out and I I've been consistently working out, but with these physical symptoms that took a toll on me. And so I, you know, I, I would imagine. Yeah. And you know, it was, so I, instead of going five or six days a week, I was going three days a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you need to have some sort of spiritual foundation, a spiritual pillar, whether that's, you know, mediate, you know, meditation to some divine being or, you know, if you're, you know, we're LDS, so it's it's doing certain things within the LDS religion to draw closer to God. And another pillar is helping others. And so I've really tried to go back to those pillars. So instead of focus, so I had all this testing done everything's come back normal. I don't have any of these gnarly diseases. I'm, I'm fine. Something, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but I don't have these life altering diseases. Interesting. You're still feeling these symptoms though. Right. I don't know what it is. Thank heavens though. Right. All the tests came back negative. Right. And I've spent thousands of dollars on tests and Mm -hmm. nothing has come back. And which is, which is a blessing. I don't, I don't have any of that. And I, and here my mom is, She's got one of them. She has MS. She's dealing with that crap. And here I am obsessing about myself, about what I'm dealing with, and I'm not being there for my mom. And it it took me back to 2007 and 8 when here I am, you know, here's here's Tanner Godfrey in the hospital, just broke his back, he's paralyzed from the chest down. And where am I? Where am I? I'm not present. I'm not available. And it's it took me right back. And, you know, Natalie and I have been dealing with some infertility for the last three years. And where am I for her? I'm still stuck on the internet looking at freaking ALS and MS symptoms. You know? And so... This podcast came at a perfect time because and it really got me thinking about where I'm at personally with my mental illness. And and I know you wanted to talk about depression, but I really haven't had depression since 2008. It's been anxiety and OCD. Mm-hmm. And 
It's been paralyzing. And I know people out there have the same issues. And you look at me and okay, I'm, you know, I, I felt like I got along with a lot of people. I, you know, was this, I went to college to play football. I'm now a lawyer and people look at me from at face value and say, oh man, he's got it easy. He's got it made. He's He's got it handed to him. He's successful. He's in the best place. And social mm-hmm. media portrays that like nothing else. Yeah. You look at somebody's life and they're they're posting things that they have the perfect life. It's they are full of it. Everyone, everyone is facing something. Everyone. And just because I'm some lawyer at some good law firm that, you know, has a has a good marriage doesn't exempt me from trials and challenges and if people were to to look at it from that point of view and say everyone i come across is going is going through something Mm -hmm. and to treat people in that way it would make such a bigger difference in society because everyone's going through something and so what i've tried to do the last the last couple of weeks since you asked me to do this podcast is go back to my my pillars. I've I've tried to really put a focus back on my spirituality because I was really frustrated with God this past year because I, I haven't can imagine. I haven't been able to get any answers and just give me an answer. Yeah. You know, why does my mom have to deal with this? You know, why are Natalie and I going through this infertility? issue and you know and then and then i had you know an extended family member that you know we grew up with close and he's he's we're still close with him he's was just diagnosed with a terminal illness he has two to four years to live and i need to be there for those people that are affected you know and yeah so that's what I've done. I've tried to get back to my faith. I've tried to get back to working out five or six days a week and really pushing yourself in the gym. I've tried to eat and sleep right. And I actually got back on medication. I haven't been on it in four years. Got back on it. And it's just the nature of the beast. You you gotta you gotta manage it. You gotta fight it to be there for people. You can't just let it go and control your life. That's exactly right. You know, Tyler, man, I've just been sitting here. I, I really haven't said much. Uh, as we went through kind of our pre-show ramble, I said, I, I want you to come here and I want you to share your story. And you've done just exactly that. While I invited you here to talk about mental illness, you you have talked about that. I I thought that there was more depression associated with your life, but anxiety is just up there at the top of those with those debilitating disorders that are out that are plaguing men. And and what it is what it is that causes these to go to extremes are the fact that they're not being addressed, not talked about, and not taken the proper avenues and channels to get help. And I'm, I'm excited to hear your story, Tyler, your story of strength, because oftentimes when you think about it, you might even have this thought in your mind, right? I've gone back on medications. I'm weak. I need this medicine to help Mm -hmm. me. No, that's a strength. You're admitting I need this to help me. And by doing this, it's going to help me get back on that path where I can in turn then stop thinking about myself, stop thinking about these problems that I have while it 
it's very tough, especially for somebody who has an anxiety disorder to put those irrational thoughts away because they are, they are that. And, you know, anxiety is something that's very interesting. Unless you've experienced it yourself, you can't really describe or associate it with it. Now, I, I haven't experienced anxiety in the sense of, um, life, right? Uh, this event's going to happen. I, mm-hmm. I sure I felt anxious at times. But one of the times that I felt the most anxiety was going and climbing Lone Peak. When oh, we yeah. went to the top, I heights get me anxious, <laughs> very, very anxious. And and anxiety, I would say, kicks in times 100 fold. And literally, my body shuts down. And no matter how much encouragement that I had from you, Colton, or Josh, to just keep going a little bit further, nothing in my mind allowed my body to move. Nothing you could say, nothing I could say. And that moment really helped me compare this anxiety disorder that other people have and to really relate with it. Because in that moment, if if I picture myself on top of that mountain, exactly what I was feeling, dizziness, unsurety if i were to go up higher a gust of wind was going to blow me off that mountain and i was going to die right <laughs> like thinking somebody is experiencing that right here in this room that i'm i'm afraid i've got this disease i'm afraid i've got one month to live and to experience that wink long mine was just very specific to this event but to have that going on it would take a toll it's rough and it takes a strong individual to finally come out and say, I've got to address this. I've got to get this under control so I can help others around me, so I can be there for my mom. How How is Jody, by the way? She's she's doing it, man. She's she's kicking butt. Gosh, one of the most positive people I've ever met. Jody just, man, she, yeah, is, she is the she's a saint. most nicest, caring, thoughtful person yeah. out there. And it's been a challenge for her. She's had to, you know, change different things about her life and know different exercise and i mean she can't be out mowing the lawn four times a week like she was doing (laughs) yeah she can't get overheated but she's still living life to the fullest man i mean technology with new medications now i mean you can you can live a full life with with the disease before before you know you'd basically end up in a wheelchair and you know become dependent on others but i think if if you live you live a life, a healthy life, and stay on your medication and trust your doctors. You can you can live a full life, and she's doing just that. She's doing great. But you're right. You know, I I look at that <clears throat> hike to Lone Peak, and the only two that were that made it to the very very top were Josh and Colton. Yep. And I made it a little bit past you, and then I had the same issue. Heights get me, man. Yeah. <laughs> and oh I I was little literally frozen on top of a rock you know, right before the last little climb to the very top. And Josh and Colton were in my ear trying to motivate me to keep going. And it wasn't happening. And I think, I think a lot of people that struggle with anxiety, because I know there's a lot of you out there, they feel that on a, on a daily basis where they feel paralyzed and nothing somebody says, I mean, nothing that somebody tells them is going to help them mm-hmm. and they just need to take a moment and breathe 
and it's going to pass. They have to remember it's going to pass. It doesn't last forever because it didn't last forever. You sat there on the rock for a moment and then you felt okay enough to walk back down the mountain. And same for me. You know, once they came back, I waited for them because I didn't want to hike back alone. I was still scared I was going to fall and die. <laughs> but um, you just need to take a breather and realize that you're not alone in this. There's other people that feel this same way. So it brings me to a, a thought. You know, you have Kevin Love. He's an NBA player who plays for the Cavs right now. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a, signed a five-year, $150 million contract. Here's this millionaire, great basketball player in the middle of a game. He leaves the bench and goes back to the locker room and at that time, he didn't. He hasn't come out and told anybody why, but the real reason is he was having an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. and he didn't know what to do. And since that time, he's come out with different articles and interviews that, you know, this is a real issue amongst all people, not not us us peasants down here, but also the famous NBA stars or different actresses and actors. They struggle with it as well. And it really needs to be addressed. And I think my pillars have helped me overcome anxiety, OCD, and depression. And I think others need to find you know, similar pillars to mine or different, but whatever they think will work, they need to base their life on different pillars. And you need to learn to reach out to others and help others because I I really feel like that is the the greatest tool to get through something. You know, looking at somebody else and thinking they need they need me. Mm-hmm. And I need to be there for them. And so I'm going to go to the gym. I'm not going to look at all the guys and girls on social media and see how jacked they are, you know. I'm going to go to the gym for my mental sanity. I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to sleep right. I'm going to find I'm going to find God or some divine power that you believe in. I don't care what it is. You need to find something. And you need to base your life on that. And and if you need medication, get on medication. It's not a big deal if you're on medication. I'm on a medication now. I haven't put on 60 pounds again. I'm on one that doesn't have that side effect. And you need to go see somebody. And if you need to see somebody and you don't know who to see, call me. I have multiple contacts. And it's okay. It's okay. It's just like diabetes. You need to take your insulin. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have chemical imbalances in their brain with their serotonin and dopamine. And reading a book or reading a or listening to a podcast sometimes is not enough. The, you know, people telling you that you can do it is not enough, just like we were on the top of the mountain. Yeah. No matter what Josh and Colton said to us, we weren't moving. Mm-hmm. I can I can fall back on all my mantras that I have, you know, never, never give up. It doesn't last forever. Screw it. I can fall back on that, but ultimately, I'm paralyzed. And so you need to address it. Physiol, phys, how do you say it? Physiologically. Yeah, physiolo- mm-hmm. I can't say it. You say it for me. <laughs> you need to address that portion of yeah. it too. And if you need a medication, 
then get on medication. Call me. I'll refer you to some psychiatrist here in the Valley. If you need a therapist, I've been to several therapists. And if you want a woman or a guy, I've got both. You know, I can send you to either. <laughs> and the stigma needs to leave around it because you can mm-hmm. still live a successful life or in a, a you know portrayed successful life while having it. And, you know, you can still accomplish things. You know, you can still go to the go to the gym and get on the stairmaster and 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 go for a half hour and burn 500 calories like you do every morning. You can still go climb Lone Peak to the I mean, you don't have to go to the very top, but you can make it, you know, 9/10ths of the way and and still say you climbed Lone Peak. Exactly. You know, and and I think to that trip, right? If you were to ask any of us, we would all describe it as being awesome. One of the best hikes, maybe not one of the best hikes down the mountain, but up. Although I got to a different height level than you did Mm -hmm. and Colton and Josh got to a different height level than than you did. We all had an amazing experience and we all enjoyed the views from where we were at. And and I think that's exactly right. You know, it's I was going to ask you when when you said that you'd met with a psychologist and a psychiatrist, both very different. One Mm -hmm. has the ability and the power to prescribe these medications. And I was going to ask which was more effective to you, but you've answered that question. At some point, there are some behavioral cognitive things that will help out in your lives. When those are the reading things, those are the mantras, uh, the spiritual enlightenment, if you will, aspects of our lives. But I 100% agree with you. At times, there is a chemical imbalance. Sometimes there are things that are just off in our bodies that those won't help. Those won't adjust. And you have to then address it specifically with the means that are going to bring that balance into place. And that sometimes is through medications, which, which again, has been perceived as a weakness, uh, a lack of strength, a lack of ability to do this on your own. No, that's not what we're saying. It's our body. Sometimes there's something that's just off, something that's not something that we've done or caused to happen. It's, it's just there. Now I want to throw some, some numbers out there, right? You say, if, if, if you're experiencing this, which there's going to be a high percentage of people that are that are listening to this uh, to, to reach out to you. I love that. We're going to put up some information, uh, National Suicide Prevention Line. Yeah. I've also found a really cool resource here uh, in Utah as well that people can go to. But this is five-minute guide to men's mental health. So when this was taken, let me see if I can find a date here. There, there isn't a date, but this is off of mentalhealthamerica.net. So... When this was taken, it says the U.S. male population, 151 million. There's some other numbers. I won't go into those. Males affected by depression per year, 6 million. Mm. Pretty high. One in five adults experience a mental health problem each year. That's adults. That's Mm. not just to male. Right. So of everybody that's listening, one in five people are dealing with something. Right. Now, the five major mental health problems affecting men specifically, depression, number one. Anxiety, number two, bipolar disorder, disorder, <laughs> disorder, uh, dis, disorder, psychosis and schizophrenia, and also eating disorder. So you mentioned your, your five pillars, right? Yeah. And if you think of those, anxiety as well, something high that a lot of men suffer with, and also eating disorders. And that includes both anorexia and bulimia. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Interesting. Now, with some of those, the 
Men are less likely than women to seek help for depression, substance abuse, and stressful life events due to social norms that are out there, right? right? Just this idea that I'm a man, I need to deal with this, which is very, very 20 years ago, right? right? Like rub some dirt on it, you'll be yeah. fine. And a lot of people still have that mentality right. today. And it's a good mentality to have to an, like, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. But their reluctancy to talk as well, like it's a guy thing. Guys don't talk about stuff. If you talk about things, you're not masculine. You're 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 not a guy. And I don't think that that's true anymore. And then also men have kind of this um, ability to downplay their symptoms, right? Oh, you know, I was just feeling off. Uh, but when it's repeatedly and continually happening, you've you've got to make those you've got to make those adjustments. So a really cool website that I found. As well, in addition to Tyler, I, I encourage you all to reach out to Tyler for some help with this if you need it. I won't bill you, I promise. <laughs> is the it's called NAMI Utah. It's the National Alliance of Mental Illness, this specific Utah chapter or branch or, or whatever it may be. It's NAMIUT.org. It's awesome. So I just clicked on the find resources by county, clicked on Salt Lake County. And up comes a huge page that has courses that are all free, peer-to-peer, family-to-family, basics, some progression classes, some also, and some support groups that you can go to, family support groups, all here free resources that are that are awesome that help everybody with this. Now, Tyler, your story is amazing. Your the, the strength, there's a lot that I didn't know. And it's kind of similar to my story, right? A lot I don't share with people. I just don't want to put out there or I didn't feel was necessarily the right timing. I'm glad that everything led up to this podcast and this podcast happening that has been great in timing for your life to reevaluate. Now, taking from what you've gone through before and where you're at, you've been through this. This is something you can do. I know you can. And you've already taken some awesome steps to accomplishing it. Now, before um, I ask you my last question that I like to ask my guests here, anything else that you would like to share yeah, on this topic? Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay to seek help. You know, it's okay. Fine. It's not a big deal. And you're not going to be looked at differently. I could care less what people watching think of me. You know, it needs to be talked about. And if you're going to hold it in, you're going to self-destruct. You're going to start relying on relying on and dabbling with different substances to, to help you through it. And that's not the way to go. It's not the way to go. And we've both, we both have seen that with substance abuse because I think mental illness and substance abuse goes hand in hand Mm -hmm. and we don't want you abusing substances you shouldn't. And you need to just fall back on your pillars in your life to help you overcome these challenges and you can do it. You can do it. You may have a couple hours in a day where you just feel worthless, depressed, or got anxiety, paralyzed, and feel like you can't 
move a muscle or, or, or do anything, that's fine. Go take two and a half hours, three hours. Go take a break. Take the day off. It's fine. It's okay. You know, if you need to go take a nap, go take a nap. Maybe not in the back of a car right. that don't, you're supposed to don't sell. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Don't do Find that. A good place. Just go tell your boss you need to go home for the afternoon. But it's okay to talk about it, number one. And number two, find some things in your life that you can fall back on and base your life on to help you fight this this little monster lurking in your life. Because you can beat it. You know, you just need you just need the right tools. And if you have the right tools, you can do it. Gosh, Tyler, I love it. This has been such a great episode. And and I think you're going to be surprised at the response that this episode is going to get. There aren't going to be people out there that are going to judge. I believe that that's the old school. That's the old fashioned. That's the old mindset that people have. There's going to be such a positive response to the strength of you sharing your story, you being able to overcome it while succeeding in your life, being driven to do your best, to be your best, to help others around you. And like, like you said, just, just an opportunity to know that it's okay to get that help, to seek that help, and to establish those roots. Now, my, my last question for you, what, what advice would you have, although you've just given some great advice, to, to individuals wanting to live their optimal lives? You know, I would, I would start in the gym. I would go to the gym tomorrow or whenever you listen to this podcast, I would love for you to take our challenge to start in the gym because the gym teaches so many different lessons in life. And I think you should go in the morning. I don't know what it is about the morning, but if you get up early, you are starting your day off in an optimal way. And if you go kick butt in the gym, I mean, you're going to feel better emotionally, mentally, physically, and you are just setting yourself up for your optimal life. And when specifically for this podcast and for this topic, to live your optimal life, I think you always have to remember if you're struggling with a mental challenge, that it does not last forever. And you're even if you're not living optimally during that time, it's not going to last forever. And you can live your optimal life, you know, the next hour or the next hour and a half or when you wake up from your nap. It's okay to take a break. But I would start in the gym. I love That's where that. I'd start. Great advice. I'll I'll see you all there. Uh 6 a.m. Vasa and Riverton on the Stairmaster. Now I appreciate you, Tyler, coming out, being brave, strong enough to share your story here today. Again, there are going to be so many people that this message is going to resonate with. One in five people, just think yeah. about that, that are dealing with something that you have dealt with in your life. The numbers are high. There are going to be people that are going to strongly connect with this message today. And thank you all for listening today, for supporting and being a part of this movement, being part of this Movember, this focus on men's mental health and being part of Jovember, right? I hope we can encompass what Jovember is and continually seek to improve our lives, to let it lead us to live our optimal lives and to create a, a better environment around us and to help others out there. Because 
while we don't know what everyone's going through, like you said today, Tyler, it's good to have in our mindset that everyone's going through some shit in their lives. Right. It may not be exactly what we're going through, but at the root of it, the feelings, the emotions are all the same. Joy, anger, happiness, pain, discomfort. Those are all things that human beings can connect with. And if we can realize that we are the same as our neighbor across the street or that person that we're brushing past in the grocery store, it will help us to have that feeling and compassion for those individuals around us and to know, hey, they're probably having a tough time. Let, right. What can I do to make their day better? Now, um, I want to read one last thing. Colton has always pointed out that I'm a, I love quotes, and I do. You're a quote guy. Uh, I'm a quote guy. So Steve Smith Sr., um, great NFL player, retired. And a Ute. And a, more and importantly. A Ute. More, more importantly, which is why I love this, has come out and talked about his struggles with mental health. And at the end, one of the things that he says, and he says – this on mental health and in general he says there's nothing wrong with me nor is there with anyone else who suffers from depression or other mental health disorders all human beings have strengths and weaknesses physical and mental you're defined by how you play the hand you're dealt in life i've spent the last year grieving in a sense that the fact that i no longer am a football player the one thing i have been my entire life re-identifying myself has been quite the process in learning to be okay with that even more so. My advice to anyone suffering from mental health issues and and specifically athletes who can relate is this, ask for help. Stop trying to deal with these serious matters alone. You are not alone, believe me. And I want to leave that message with everybody sharing that you are not alone. While you think what I'm going through is very individual and specific to me, right? There are others out there who know what you're going through. They don't, they haven't walked your exact shoes and your exact footprints, but they know what it's like. One in five people have been there. Yeah. Ask for help. Don't be afraid. Ask and, for help. And, and once you stop and take a breather and take a nap or whatever, it's critical to keep going. Just like when you were stuck on the mountain, you took a minute and then you kept going down, but. You didn't need to go up, but you kept going. Exactly. Love it, Tyler. Until next week, friends, family, everybody who's listening, take care. We'll see you next week. Ciao.